Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. Your host, Greg Rotersheimer, is now a designated financial coach. If your financial situation is causing you stress because of debt, budgeting, or saving for retirement, and anything in between, contact me to discuss how I can coach you to financial success. Email me at greg at suburbanfolk.com or call me at 804-592-1871 for a 15-minute free consultation to get started with your plan. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but... At that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rotersheimer, your host. Today is one of these topics that nobody gets overly excited about, but it is absolutely vital information. What I'm talking about is Medicare. For people that are Medicare eligible, we're going to get into who those people are. But I know with friends and family, we've been talking about what's been dubbed the sandwich generation. I think that's probably your younger baby boomers to older Gen Xers who find themselves in the position of having to help their parents who are aging as well as potentially are still supporting their older children. Well, not children anymore. They're children that are now adults. To help me with navigating these waters is my buddy Rick Gordon. So Rick, do you want to go ahead and say hello and tell folks a little bit about your extensive Medicare background? Sure, Greg. Thanks for having me. So I've been I've been working in the Medicare and Medicare Advantage space probably a little over 12 years now and really got involved in Medicare Advantage um, working for a large continuing care retirement community that owned and operated its own Medicare Advantage plan. So had an opportunity there to really understand the roadmap, so to speak, on, on how Medicare Advantage works and have taken that experience and have used it really in the past several years to build Medicare Advantage programs, government programs, and offer them really across the uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Luckily, even though I'm in this space a little bit, I get to default to you for anything that I don't know. So anything we get wrong, it's Rick's fault. Let's just get that out of the way to begin with. So I figure just like anything we do on the show, it makes sense to be as chronologically minded as possible. In my mind, the first place to start is who is eligible for Medicare? And presumably we'll start with what most people probably think of, i.e. you age into it. There are other folks that potentially can have Medicare. So let's kick off there. Can you tell us who those folks would be? Yeah, definitely. Probably the, the largest population is going to be those who are aging into Medicare. So those who are 65 years of age or older may be retiring from a from a position or an employer, find themselves in a situation where you know it's time for them to go out and and enroll or opt into to Medicare or Medicare Advantage. Beyond that, there are different subsets of the population, right? There are people 
people who may qualify for both Medicare and Medicaid. So perhaps they have some qualifying reason to be enrolled in a, a Medicaid plan, a Medicaid fee-for-service, uh, but it might also qualify them to enroll into a Medicare program. And then there are other subsets as well. So folks who have been diagnosed with end-stage renal disease, for example, are another population of individuals who may be eligible for a Medicare-type product. And this year, Medicare has changed the rules. Um, so many of those uh, individuals who um, have been diagnosed with end-stage renal disease are now eligible to enroll into a Medicare Advantage product um, if one is available in, in their particular service area. Beyond that, it gets a, you know it certainly gets a little bit more nuanced than that. Obviously, there are you know one-off situations and exceptions, uh, but by and large, those are the largest spreads of, of individuals who may be eligible for a Medicare or Medicare Advantage type product. Working backwards a little bit from those more nuanced scenarios, for example, the people that are eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, most people, I think, have the basic view of if I and below a certain threshold of income, I'm likely eligible for Medicaid. But of course, that's not the only thing that would potentially make you dual eligible. Where I'm going with that is what notifications should people be looking for from these entities to know that I might be eligible for these kinds of programs? Let's again, start with those more complicated ones, and then we'll work back to kind of the more common aging in. So, you know, right now, um, and I don't think Virginia is alone in this, I think this is happening in in many states right now, Um, there are programs that are being um, developed for specifically those individuals who may be dual eligible, right? So the the state um, is aware of of individuals who are enlisted or enrolled on their Medicaid fee for service rosters, and given certain qualifiers, those individuals may be may be marked within those files as as being what might be considered a dual eligible individual. So meaning within the Medicaid framework, and again, I'm not necessarily a Medicaid expert, but But within the Medicaid framework, there are certain individuals who may be considered what's called a full Medicaid beneficiary. So somebody who um, doesn't have limitations or, for lack of a better term, um, I guess limitations is probably the the best way to say it or describe it, right? So somebody who would be considered um, full Medicaid, right, would then be eligible if they also meet Medicare criteria, would be eligible for a Medicare and a Medicaid plan. There are a lot of managed care organizations out there, MCOs, who are facilitating benefits for both product types. And so those individuals would be receiving notices directly from the state um, or perhaps from, you know, different managed care organizations. Um, they should be looking for things, you know, they'll also see direct mail flyers and, and you know, marketing campaigns, which will illustrate perhaps the red, white, and blue Medicare card. And then also ask, you know, do you have Medicaid as well? So in other words, do you have this card and do you have that card? If you have both cards, you may be eligible for a, a dual Medicare Advantage type product. That's kind of where I was going to get us towards, presumably, whether it's the state on the Medicaid side or the federal side with Medicare, if you at least acknowledge that you may be eligible for both, then somebody should be able to walk you through what kind of plans 
are available to you. So I'm sure we're going to reference it many, many times. Medicare.gov is probably the first place for people to start to go through some of the items we're going to talk about. And then your state's Medicaid website would be the other one. Every state has its own website, so I can't list all of those here. But I'm sure if you go to Google, enter your state, put Medicaid, it will likely come up pretty quickly. And chances are, if you are already in the Medicaid system, you probably already know who those contacts are and who you can get a hold of to see if there's additional benefits that you're not yet taking advantage of. So getting that out of the way, going back a little bit more simplistic scenario for those of us that, God willing, this is how we enter Medicare, simply aging in, and we go from an employer plan, let's say, uh, into Medicare. What does that path look like for those folks? Presumably pretty similar, obviously, as far as the confirmation that you're now eligible. Uh, But what should you be looking for both when you first age in? And then, of course, we're going to get into open enrollment. The first real notification that individuals who may be aging into Medicare get is generally some type of a notice or letter from the Social Security Administration, right? Indicating that you, you know, it's time for you to opt into Part B, Medicare Part B. As I'm sure we'll talk about, there are several parts of of Medicare. um, And Part B is something that all beneficiaries will continue to pay for. Um, It's deducted from, you know, your Social Security income and it, it, just kind of comes right off the top and that will continue indefinitely so long as you are enrolled in Medicare. Those individuals will generally receive a letter leading up to their 65th birthday that it's time to, you know, log into the system and, you know, indicate whether or not you're still working and whether or not you intend to opt for the Part B selection. Do you happen to know how much ahead of the birthday that the material comes? If you don't, that's okay. <laughs> I, I don't know specifically. I can tell you my father-in-law is is turning 65 this year, turned 65 in November, and I believe he had received the information a few months in advance of his 65th birthday. Two to three months is what stands out in my head, but I don't know specifically how far in advance. Again, if nothing else, people that are getting close to that age, you should be checking the mail. Uh, that's where your notice is presumably going to come. So once you get closer to that 65th birthday, uh, don't throw away all of your mail thinking that you're getting just a bunch of junk mail. Right. And, and that's it's an important point, right? Just because, you know, even though you may still be employed, you may intend to be working for, you know, quite some some more time. Um, you know, it's important to make sure you understand, you know, what what Social Security is expecting of you um, and the steps that you need to take to make sure that you're you're checking all the boxes, so to speak. It's probably at this point that it's worth me mentioning after we're talking about who's eligible, anything that we talk about beyond this point, as far as the products, offerings, et cetera, we are not recommending one way or the other to any individual person, as I think people will definitely hear in us discussing what's out there. There are a lot of different options nearly as unique as every situation that somebody finds themselves in, whether that's the prescription drugs that they have, whether it's the amount of required visits they know they're going to have in a year, or are you 
relatively healthy for that age, et cetera, et cetera. So again, anything we're talking about are options, not recommendations. That's right. And I, I would I would probably take it a step further and say, you know, this is this is a conversation between, you know, two individuals who have inside knowledge of how the Medicare Advantage process and system works. I'm also coming at this from the, from the angle of somebody who is a part of that sandwich generation that you mentioned. I, I do have a father who is routinely or annually evaluating his Medicare Advantage options, and I can continually find myself in a situation where I'm I'm trying to navigate him and my adult siblings through that process as well. And it is as frustrating for me at times as I'm sure it is for those who are not as familiar with Medicare Advantage or how any of this works. So, And I can second that as well. I know my dad will at least ask for my opinion now whether or not he takes it (laughs) this final election or not you know we'll just leave that unsaid but again to your point even for people that are in this day in day out there's still some extra reading to be done to truly know how the benefits are going to work and what may be best for somebody's situation and i think as we go through this you know hopefully what we'll be able to do is call out some of the things that that you know anyone listening what they should be looking for the resources that they should turn to for additional information so you mentioned part b which of course we will get into and the uh, payment that comes along with that but even right out of the gate part a do you want to go ahead and describe what is part a so i let me let me see if i can kind of rattle off all of the the alphabet soup of what medicare is right so we've got medicare part a Medicare Part A is going to be the coverage that would pay for any type of a of a hospitalization or short-term rehabilitation stay in a skilled nursing facility and would likely also pay for um, hospice benefits if if needed. Part B are going to be the professional services, right? So if you're going to see a, a doctor in an office, if you are seeing a specialist, a primary care doctor, if you need some type of specialty, I guess, injection um, within a doctor's office, those are the types of services that are, are billed and paid for under your Part B service. Then we're going to jump over C for a second. We're going to go to Part D. Part D specifically speaks to prescription drug. Easy way to remember that. That prescription drug part D. Generally speaking, you know, most if not all beneficiaries need some type of prescription drug coverage, whether they're actively taking prescription drugs or not. And the reason being that they may be penalized down the road if they do not select a Part D coverage. Now, there are obviously exceptions to every rule and everyone's situation is different. But I think that would apply to the the vast majority of, of folks who are evaluating their Medicare options. And then we jump back and we talk about Part C. So when we talk about Part C, we're talking about Medicare Advantage. The biggest misunderstanding about Medicare Advantage is that if you enlist in a Medicare Advantage plan, you're giving up your Medicare A and B. And that's not at all the case. Simply put, Part C or Medicare Advantage is just a different way for your Medicare Part A and Part B benefits, and oftentimes your Part D benefits, to be administered um, by by another organization, by a managed care organization, an MCO or an insurance company. I find myself explaining that to to folks all the time that, you know, by enrolling in a Medicare Advantage plan, you are not giving up your Medicare at all. In fact, you need your Medicare in order to be eligible for a Medicare Advantage plan. I don't know if this is the right point to 
inject because again don't want to make it sound like i'm arguing for one or the other but i have also heard feedback from people that get into a medicare advantage plan that it feels more familiar uh, because it tends to be set up a lot more like your employer plan and heck on other people's shows i think even on this show a time or two of course the concept of national plans come up and and of course it seems most common to vilify the employer-based plans for many different reasons. And of course, they've got their issues going on. So it sounds weird to say that that would potentially be a perk, but there is something about familiarity, especially when we're talking about, for most folks, with a brand new world and learning what goes on. Uh, So that's something else to keep in mind is if you do end up in a Medicare Advantage and you've been on your employer plan basically for your full adult life, it will feel more familiar and it might make navigating that plan a little easier. I think you're spot on. There are, you know, we're, we're obviously focusing our conversation, at least right now, on Medicare Advantage, but there are other ways to receive and administer Medicare benefits, right? So when we talk about just having Medicare Part A and Part B, let's say you open up your wallet and you've got a red, white, and blue Medicare card there, you don't have any type of Medicare Advantage coverage. If you go to a hospital, you go to a doctor, you present your Medicare card, you're going to you're going to receive the care and Medicare is going to be billed for the services that are rendered. The the difference between a Medicare fee for service is what that's called, right? Or I'm sorry, um yeah, Medicare fee for service plan. Um if you were just using your red, white and blue Medicare card versus a a Medicare Advantage card from an insurance carrier would be, you know, the out-of-pocket expenses that you would incur And again, this is one of those topics where, you know, we'll be careful in terms of what we're discussing because, you know, every plan is going to be different and every circumstance is going to be different. But generally speaking, to your point about familiarity is when you go to a doctor or you go to a hospital or an emergency room with your Medicare Advantage card, you're going to have some type of copay affiliated with that particular service that's being rendered. Some are going to be very low dollar copays and some are going to be high dollar copays depending upon the plan that you select and the and your particular circumstances and your needs but that varies in comparison to Medicare fee for service where you know Medicare is going to pay 80% of most of your your bills for that particular visit and leave a a fairly substantial amount unaccounted for. The question as to whether or not that is your responsibility or will be billed to you, you know, is going to, again, vary depending on the doctor or the provider and how those services are rendered and and their billing practices. But you would expect that, you know, if Medicare was only paying 80% of that bill, you're going to end up with a, a bill somewhere down the road for the services that Medicare did not pay for at 100%. And so when you compare a Medicare fee-for-service plan, the red, white, and blue Medicare fee, you know, card, um, to a Medicare Advantage plan, that's one of the biggest considerations, right, is, you know, how frequently are you seeing doctors? What are your chronic conditions? Um, what specific needs do you have um, that you need to account for as you're taking a look at the year ahead and, and making plans, you know, assessing your financial situation and making those decisions. Actually, I'm going to go right back to that comparison of what people are used to with their employer groups. I tell anybody that 
asks me and that will listen when you're in an open enrollment period for your employer benefits, or even if you're going to a new job, pay attention to their benefits package because I think people don't really do the math in these well, whoever actually has HMOs left, it seems like that's, a, you know, almost a dying thing. But if they see these plans that have low to no deductibles, but there's a huge premium, they they tend to gravitate to that, at least in my experience, when people ask me in general, as compared to, let's say, a high deductible plan with the lower premium and not doing the due diligence to say, hey, I'm healthy. And this may be just fine for me if I'm really managing the dollars itself. I think that same concept comes into play for Medicare and and actually flipping what I was mentioning before for the Medicare Advantage. I think that's another way where maybe people have been conditioned to not look at the premium cost compared to what their medical expenses may be on a plan. But even more so with all of these different options, it behooves the enrollee to really break down how they believe their benefits are going to be used for whatever needs that they have, both the premium itself, which again is less, I think for what most people are used to with their other plans, uh, but it can get really more significant on the other end of how you use the benefit. As I sit down with family members who are trying to navigate this, right. And trying to understand and figure out the best way to make the best informed decision. The first thing I always do is I sit down and I say, okay, let's talk through your doctors, right? Which doctors do you see on a regular basis? Well, you see your cardiologist twice a year. You see an oncologist. Maybe you see a dermatologist. Maybe you see, you know, and, and the list goes on. So so get it down on paper, right? Put them down on paper and, and then you can start to visualize what we're really talking about here. And then we say, okay, so you're going to see the each of these specialists two times a year, right? Maybe there'll be some others as, you know, as time passes. But for right now, this is kind of our standing list. And then we take a look at the plans that, you know, that my family members are considering and we say, okay, what is your upfront cost, right? Is there a premium associated with this plan? Is there an, is there a dollar amount that you need to pay on a monthly basis just to have the privilege of being enrolled in this particular plan? In many cases, the answer is no, right? These, um, a lot of these health plans are now creating zero premium plans, which are attracting, you know, lots of beneficiaries, but where the, you know, where the rubber meets the road is with the, the out-of-pocket expenses, right? So if you're a relatively healthy person, you're not going to the doctor very often. You don't have a lot of chronic conditions that require maintenance. You could look at one of those $0 plans or zero premium plans and say, Hey, this makes a lot of sense to me because I'm not paying anything up front. I've got my Medicare coverage. I've got, you know, these additional benefits that this Medicare Advantage plan is offering me. I'm good. I, you know, check the box. I'm going to enroll in this plan. I'm going to, you know, this makes sense for me. Where it gets more tricky is when you do have, you know, a handful of chronic conditions and you are seeing a handful of providers on a, on a daily basis or excuse me, a monthly basis, right? And that's where you want to look closely and you want to say, okay, if my copay for a visit to each one of these doctors, and I'm making this stuff up right now, is is $50. Let's keep it simple, right? It's $50 every time I go see a specialist, right? So if I see six doctors in a year, well, that's $300, right? If I'm seeing, you know, doctors multiple times a month, it's a fairly extensive list. Well, that could, you know, that dollar amount could, could grow considerably, right? And 
essentially what you're evaluating is okay what is what is the you know if i have a bucket of money how what is the difference between what i'm spending on a monthly basis um, for my co-pays and out-of-pocket expenses in a zero premium plan versus, let's say, and I know we haven't introduced this idea yet, but a Medicare supplemental type plan, right? Which generally speaking, there is a fairly substantial upfront cost, right? You're spending $150, $200, $300 a month or possibly more for, again, the privilege of being enrolled in that plan. Multiply that by 12 months. So let's say it's $200 a month just to be enrolled in a Medicare supplemental plan times 12 months. You're talking about $2,400. What I would do is I, w- I would compare that against the Medicare Advantage costs. And I would say, okay, well, you're seeing six doctors and you're seeing them four times a year. Now my math is going to get fuzzy because I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, right? But you want to essentially, you, you want to essentially compare the out-of-pocket expense, uh, excuse me, the out-of-pocket expenses against each other to determine at the end of the year, which one is going to be more advantageous for you or your situation. Again, recognizing that circumstances change, but the good news is with Medicare and Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplemental, you have an opportunity to make these changes one time a year unless you have some other type of um, special election period. So what I'm getting at is you really want to, you want to drill down into the details. You want to take a look at the out-of-pocket expenses and you want to compare that to, you know, the, the various options that you're considering and then make the determination based on your particular situation. Let's just throw supplemental out there. <laughs> Let's just add one extra element to make it a little more complicated because it was on my list. And of course, something that we do want to acknowledge, I will say for my own education in the work world, I always just thought that supplemental was basically paying an extra amount of money so that anything Medicare A and B did not cover. So like in the scenario you mentioned, let's say it's an 80-20 for whatever the service is, then your supplemental is just covering your part of the cost with some sort of like risk share almost. It turns out that is part of it, I believe, if memory serves. But the part I didn't realize is there's certain lifetime maxes, for example, for some of your Medicare A and B services. And one of the other things that supplemental can do, of course, there's a bunch of different tiers for it, is they can increase some of those limits and benefits. That's yet another item that people have to consider. Can you talk a little bit more about what else supplemental may be doing for folks? One of the things that I think is very attractive about a Medicare supplemental plan is is the ease of use. You know, if you've got some chronic conditions that require routine management, you're looking at the dollars and the cents and you're saying, well, wait a minute, if I were to enroll in this Medicare Advantage plan, it's going to cost me almost as much as it would in a Medicare supplemental plan. But within the Medicare Advantage plan, you know, I may be required to have um, pre-authorizations or I may be required to get referrals, which isn't very common anymore. But there may be some additional, you know, steps that a, a beneficiary needs to take within a Medicare Advantage plan that wouldn't necessarily exist or may not necessarily exist within a Medicare supplemental plan. Again, it comes down to kind of that the cost of convenience 
um, I think is a, is a big factor for some folks. And they, they look at that and they say, well, okay, it's, it's going to cost me almost as much, if not, you know, the same, possibly a little bit more. But if I enroll in the Medicare supplemental plan, you know, I know that I'm not going to get any bills from my providers. I know that there's not going to be any balanced billing. I know that, you know, I don't need to worry about getting a preauthorization um, before I go see a specialist. I call, I set the appointment, I tell them which type of coverage I have, and, and that's the end of the story. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it here quite a bit. Um, but, you know, as I think about the conversations, again, that I've had with my family, that's generally where the conversation goes is, you know, I get it. You know, this is going to be more convenient for you. But in our particular situation, the the cost for that particular convenience isn't enough to make that switch, right? So in, in the in the circumstances that I've described for my family, it's generally been, you know, met the Medicare Advantage plans have come out on top in terms of the probably the recommended decision. Now, whether or not that's the, like you said, the decision that's made um, is a totally different story. Uh, but, you know, again, when you're evalu- when you're putting things down on paper and you're comparing side by side, a lot of times, you know, the, the, some of the major criteria is cost, right? We're talking about, you know, individuals who may be living on a fixed income. Um, so dollars and cents are important. And, and then convenience. Do you have a support system to help you navigate those things? Do you not? You know, what are, what's important to you as you're making those decisions? Also, I want to call out, I, I think you were saying it as well, along with the financial piece, but the some people's convenience on the provider network itself. So, again, if I can use our basis for employer plans or what we're used to with our insurances, especially in more recent years than historically speaking, it's more common that the networks are uh, smaller for what's being administered by the insurance. Of course, the reason for that is if they keep it smaller, that means they're funneling more population to specific providers. In turn, those providers give them better rates. That's a high level, the general idea. One of the things that likely turn people off about that is they don't want that restriction on who they go and see. And gosh, I'm sure there's providers out there that don't take basic Medicare, but there's not many. <laughs> that, so, so, so that's the other convenience that you're talking about is convenience of not having to deal not only with an auth or anything like that, but also the provider network itself to make sure they're taking the benefits. Yeah, not not having to worry whether or not your provider's in network. And worst case scenario, you call, you schedule an appointment, you've been waiting months, and you know a, an insurance verification wasn't done. You show up at the office only to find out that that particular provider, that particular office, doesn't accept the insurance that you have, which is certainly a risk. Which is why you know we say take your time. Put together a list of the providers or the doctors that you see when you're evaluating your options. Part of that process is to take a look at those doctors and really think long and hard. Is this a doctor for some reason, you know, seven out of 10 of my doctors are accepted by this particular or, or are participating with this particular insurance plan or this particular insurance carrier? Is that enough, right? Am I willing to sacrifice those other three providers that are not accepted by this insurance plan and find providers that or doctors that are included in that 
that particular plan's network? Sometimes that decision, you know, or the answer to that question may be no, right? If, if you're evaluating your options and the three providers that are not included in the network are the ones that are most important to you, well, that's certainly going to steer you in a different direction or it's going to sway your, you know, your thought process to say, well, wait a minute, I can't give up these doctors. And, and these, these three in particular are the most important to me. I can find other providers or other doctors for, you know, the other seven, you know, categories or specialties that, you know, I see on a, on a, on occasion, but no, I, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to give up these particular doctors. Um, and so, yeah, that's again, another, another one of those factors that kind of plays into that whole process. And, you know, it takes time to do the research and to make sure that, you know, you're, you're making an informed decision. And one of the reasons we're having this conversation now is because we're in the, the Medicare, you know, annual election period, AEP, um, which is the period, you know, where all Medicare beneficiaries can make a change change their particular coverage, um, which would then go into effect on January 1st, 2021, or January 1st of any particular year. So October 15th through December 7th every year is the time when all Medicare beneficiaries are being inundated with direct mail into their mailboxes, the 24-hour infomercials on, on cable television, Probably the only other thing they're competing with is is election coverage to, to get in front of folks who may be making a Medicare decision this year. I'll even call out, like, basically, if you don't know that it's open enrollment time for Medicare, when you see Humana commercials, every single commercial break for a football game or something like that, then it's probably <laughs> open enrollment time. <laughs> uh, so let's take it all the way back again to our sample person. They've gotten their materials in the mail. And I think you alluded to this with part D, but just to be very clear, what are the risks of somebody doing nothing at the time of receiving that information? And basically Medicare, so to speak, is looking for them to make an election. If I do nothing, what happens to me? Yeah. So, I mean, the the bottom line is that Nothing may happen right now. If you are Medicare eligible and, and you do nothing right now, nobody is going to come knocking on your door and, and you know arrest you for not making a Medicare selection. However, it will catch up with you, right? So at some point down the road, specific to Part D, right, prescription drug coverage, if you were eligible to be enrolled in a Part D or prescription drug plan from the time you turned 65 and chose not to, um, and then let's say five, 10 years down the road, you decide to enroll Medicare, could could and will assess a financial penalty for every, I believe it's every month you were eligible to be enrolled, but were not. Um, and then that pe- penalty will be tagged on to your premium, and, and that will carry with you indefinitely beyond that point. So it's important that, you know, whether you need coverage or not, um, you understand, you know, what, what penalties may be assessed if you, if you don't make any selections. Obviously, if you're still working, if you're still receiving employer coverage, as we've talked about a couple times, you know, there are exemptions, right? So you simply just need to, you know, be able to demonstrate um, that you did have what they call credible coverage during that time period that you were Medicare eligible, but weren't enrolled in a Medicare plan. Um, and so long as you can substantiate that, you know, those penalties are, are not going to be assessed on you. There, there are risks if, um, if you are Medicare eligible and you do not have employer group coverage or, or some type of employment insurance. 
that you know will will at some point catch up with you when you do go to enroll in Medicare. And I think that definitely is bears repeating because I I don't think people really know that particular piece that well out of the gate. And for those of us that are financially minded, it, it seems crazy, right, to say that that oh I'm trying to save a buck now and heck. In theory, I'm saving the government a buck at the same time, but they're going to penalize me for not using my benefits. So I, again, I think it's bears repeating that there can and in a lot of times will be a penalty risk to not using the benefit or at least understanding what your options are. One of the things I see fairly regularly is a situation like I just described where somebody was eligible to be enrolled in a Part D plan, chose not to enrolled in a Part D plan, let's say five years down the road. Now, all of a sudden they're enrolled with a Medicare Advantage plan and they're they're getting their monthly bill or they're getting their monthly statement from that Medicare Advantage plan. And there is a late enrollment penalty tagged on to their, you know, to their bill. And, and obviously that's where, you know, the, the frustration may boil over. That individual is frustrated with the insurance company because that penalty is being assessed on, on them uh, to be paid. The insurance company is not the one indicating or deciding that that you need to or that you're due a penalty fee. That's coming as a result of of being eligible to be enrolled in a Part D plan or a prescription drug plan, but choosing not to. Um, and then the federal government saying, no, a, a penalty is assessed here. That's also an important point for those that, again, are not familiar with the back office workings. Even though we're saying Medicare Advantage and it is your traditional insurance carriers that administer these programs, behind all of it is Medicare as the entity that determines eligibility, that ultimately makes sure the enrollments are correct, just on and on with everything. And of course, they're doing audits and uh, approving even the benefit packages that are being offered, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, don't think just because we're acknowledging that the Medicare Advantage is, again, administered by the insurance companies, that that means Medicare somehow just lets, yeah, yeah, just lets them go. Uh, and for anybody that's worked in any government entities of any kind knows there are a lot of rules. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen. And on that point, can you maybe give some advice for people once they've made their decision? And let's say, again, if they go A and B or if they do go for Medicare Advantage and, and Part D uh, as a separate, are there certain things that they should get in writing or they should check up on to make sure their enrollment definitely went through as that process starts? Yeah. So so there's a couple different things that will happen, right? So we've talked about Medicare fee-for-service. We've talked about Medicare Advantage. We've talked about, touched on Medicare Supplemental. Those are the, the most common ways that individuals will, will receive their Medicare benefits. During this period of time, when you are making your selection, individuals are going to receive lots of mail. They're going to receive lots of advertisements for different plans that are being offered in their area. They may even be walking into a grocery store or a Target or a Walmart and see you know an, an agent um, set up out front, you know, offering some information. Once you have completed an enrollment application, you know that application will then be processed and will be sent to CMS to validate that you are in fact who you say you are um, and that you are eligible to enroll in Medicare. 
in the track of Medicare Advantage. Once that information gets processed, CMS will then relay back to that Medicare Advantage company, yep, we've got so-and-so in our system, they are eligible to be enrolled, go ahead and process the enrollment. From there, the insurance company that you have signed on with will will begin to send you information. You should receive a welcome kit. You may very well likely receive your ID card within you know a few weeks after you have completed your application. Bear in mind if you do that during you know October or November, even December, you know that that coverage will not be in place or effective until January 1st unless you have some type of um, what they call a special election meaning you've had a particular circumstance that allowed you to enroll sooner. Yes, you should start to receive information fairly soon after completing that application, acknowledging um, that you have selected a particular plan and that that plan is processing your application. And then beyond that, you know, the welcome kit, the evidence of coverage, a lot of information about what the benefits actually are, right? What, what are, what coverage do you have now that you've enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan? Same, I would imagine with a supplemental plan, I don't work for or, or represent a supplemental Medicare supplemental company, um, but I would imagine that they're, they're also sending very similar information. Medicare is sending out information this time of year also. Um, that is, uh, you know, maybe we should have shared that at the beginning, but, you know, around uh, October 1st, many Medicare beneficiaries, if not all Medicare beneficiaries, are receiving their Medicare and You booklets. Um, and that's really the, the how-to guide for Medicare. It's available online for anybody who may have missed it or wants to go check it out. But it's also, I believe it is specific to certain regions or certain counties that individuals live in. So when you receive that information, it should have information in there about the Medicare Advantage plan offerings that are available in your particular area and different ways to go about learning or getting more information on those plans. And then in addition to that, I can't speak for every state, but here we do have a independent third-party resource that individuals can contact should they need guidance or help understanding their insurance options. And that for Virginians is, is VICAP, V-I-C-A-P. It's the Virginia, uh, Virginia Insurance Counseling and Assistance Program. And those individuals are not affiliated with any one particular managed care organization. They can simply help navigate an individual on where to turn for more information. Or if they are evaluating their options, uh, I believe they can help them understand what they're looking at. Again, I think another point that you're alluding to that maybe we should clarify even more, if somebody's having a broker or salesperson reach out to them with certain packages, I'm going to say 99%. I actually think it's 100%, but I'll have you give me the 1%. They're not going to be talking about A and B. They would be going through Medicare Advantage. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's it's all the things we're talking about, different options. But sometimes, of course, people can get confused with all of this information and they may think that this person is able to get them enrolled in the fee-for-service side that we're talking about or Medicare Advantage and is a one-stop shop. I don't believe that is the case for any kind of agent like that. 
What's important to note is that in order, again, to be eligible for Medicare Advantage, you have to have Medicare Parts A and B. There are individuals who, if they pulled out their red, white, and blue Medicare card today, it may say Medicare Part A only, and that's because they have not elected Part B or they haven't opted into Part B. That is something that individuals would need to do if they were if they were looking to enroll into a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, and so to do that, they would contact Social Security, the Social Security Administration. They would then enroll in Part B as well. I think there are agents out there who could at least advise or, or guide an individual. Um, generally speaking, when agent or a broker is sitting down to to do a, a sales appointment, they're going to do that insurance verification or that, that validation at the beginning of the appointment, right? They want to make sure that whomever they're speaking to is you know, is in fact eligible to enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan. And so they'll want to take take a look at your card. If for some reason the Part B effective date isn't listed there, they may work with you to contact Social Security to find out, you know, has has Part B been elected? And if so, what's the, you know, the effective date on Part B? Um, If it's not, they may also be able to, they won't be able to enroll you in Part B, uh, but they will certainly be able to point you in the right direction to Social Security to make sure that that component of your Medicare coverage is satisfied before they move forward with their sales appointment and enrolling you into a particular Medicare Advantage plan. That's the point I want to make sure people get is these folks are not necessarily going to be a one-stop shop for your options. So don't necessarily think that make sure you're doing the follow-through and understanding what they're telling you, you know, if, if you're in that situation. The reason that came to mind as well is when we're talking about Medicare being the entity behind all of it, I know I've run across scenarios, not often, but where people have signed up for something that they didn't realize. And then when they go to sign up for what they actually meant, that's one thing that they'll get rejected for because it'll say you've already enrolled in something and they feel surprised. And of course, that's where some of the confusion, it seems like, will come up. They've either been on the Medicare website and, and enrolled in something that they didn't realize they actually pressed the button or again, they're talking to somebody else and didn't realize quite what they were assigning and so on. So that, that's something else for people to keep in mind. Uh, it can be done as far as I'm aware, as far as changing your option, especially in the open enrollment period. But just like you would imagine with anything government related, uh, save yourself the headache if you can. And again, make sure once you're at that point of the process, understand what's being processed and how that's going to go. You know, one of the important things, if you are on Medicare.gov or CMS.gov, you can enroll into a Medicare Advantage plan directly from the Medicare website. Um, So that is something to be aware of that, you know, I would imagine that at the point you are plugging in a lot of personal information, um, you're pretty far down the track of enrolling or you've you've selected a plan that you think suits your needs. And so, you know, at that point, I, I would hope that you'd be aware that you were taking steps to enroll in a particular plan. None of those sites should be asking for that information up front. When you're meeting with a with a sales agent, generally you're going to sign a what's called a a um, scope of appointment, and that is a document that an agent needs to get signed by you 
prior to the the sales presentation beginning and it will outline for you specifically what products are going to be discussed in that sales appointment. And when an agent is meeting with you, a sales agent is meeting with you, they should not be talking about, you know, multiple or dozens of different types of products. That appointment should be limited to a Medicare Advantage discussion. They're not going to be talking about any other type of insurance products, life insurance, long-term care insurance. They shouldn't be discussing any of those things. That appointment should be specific to your Medicare Advantage needs. It it is nice that in this case, Medicare wrangles (laughs) the rules altogether so you don't have to worry that you're going to be taken for something else. Enter any cliche of sleazy sales guy (laughs) that that, that you could think of. It is definitely uh, more centered than that. Now, the the other thing I would mention about the sales appointment itself, and it, it, admittedly, it's been a while since I've been out in the field selling any any particular products. I think folks should know that you will you you are not paying for that particular appointment, right? That you're not paying a commission to the agent. That is all done by the insurance companies. The only time you may be asked to provide either a check or some type of billing information is in the event that you select a plan that has a monthly premium. And then in order for that enrollment to, you know, to proceed and, and get your plan effectuated, you know, there there may be the request for, you know, the initial month for coverage. Um, but again, I don't, I don't even think that that's very common at this point. I think a lot of that is done after a member is, is processed through the enrollment system and then billing information is, is generated. But I think it's important for people to know that they in general should not be, should not be opening up their wallets or their checkbooks, um, you know, during a sales appointment. I was thinking, man, for myself, who is very financially conscious across the board, I tend to think, Oh, if, this person's getting a commission, then I'm probably paying more than if I were cutting out the middleman, so to speak, i.e. in this case, let's say going right to the Medicare website. That is not the case uh, in the world of Medicare. Uh, their commission is built in one way or the other uh, as far as your cost is concerned. So it really does come down to if you like having somebody that walks you through these things, uh, then by all means, that's what you want to do. If you just don't like that atmosphere for whatever reason, and you are comfortable with your own research, your own options, you can go directly to, again, like Medicare.gov's website and do it on your own. So it really just comes down to personal preference, I think, from that standpoint. With the only caveat, I would think that a broker possibly is not authorized to sell all of the carriers that may be available to you. Uh, they just may not have gotten appointed. Yeah. Appointed, not their fault or anything like that. That would be the only limiting factor that I can think of uh, compared to somebody, uh, an agent coming and making an appointment with you compared to going directly to the site and seeing what's available. That's right. And I think it's important to know that there are different types of agents out there, right? So there are what are called employed agents. So an employed agent would be an agent who is employed by an, a particular insurance company. And the only products that they are able to sell are that of the company for which they represent, right? So you mentioned Humana earlier. If Humana employed agents, um, then that particular agent, when meeting with you, would only be able to represent the products that Humana offers in your particular service area. There are what are called brokers. 
And brokers are a little bit different. They they are, as you said, appointed by multiple insurance companies. And so when they go out to meet with a beneficiary and they're reviewing options with a particular beneficiary, they're trying to help dial in or zero in on a plan that would be best for you based on the needs that you've outlined or that you've described. In that case, that particular broker would would be able to offer different plans, different options options through different companies. Again, same situation. They they would be receiving a commission from that insurance company for which you are enrolled. Not anything that you would be responsible to pay that agent or broker for. So I think that would get us, relatively speaking, through somebody's initial introduction to Medicare and some of the things to consider for getting enrolled. I'm thinking maybe we can end on a fun note. One thing that's relatively new, again, this is in the Medicare Advantage world and has been interesting for you and I because we've been in that Medicare Medicaid role where there are additional benefits. Uh, For example, transportation is one that's been a big one that are now becoming available to more standard Medicare participants. Uh, Another one, now this has been out there a while, but like gym memberships, for example. Do you want to go through some of those fun little perks that, that people might get? As individuals who have created these products um, that eventually end up going to market, um, we recognize that the individuals we are are trying to attract and enroll into our plans are consumers. And, you know, we recognize that you have choice. um, and And in some instances, you have lots of choice. You know, that forces in many respects, competitiveness and and ensuring that these different carriers are developing products that have um, competitive plan offerings. And to your point, in many Medicare Advantage plans, there is a component of, of what we call supplemental benefits. Supplemental benefits are benefits above and beyond what traditional Medicare fee-for-service offers. Um, And by and large, this is probably one of the biggest selling points of a Medicare Advantage plan over a Medicare fee-for-service option. A to Z, um, there are, are lots of different options out there. I think you touched on some of the big ones. Transportation is is a is a popular one right now, um, and and rightly so. You know, one of the goals of of any Medicare Advantage plan or any Medicare plan is to make sure that our members have access to care in the right place at the right time. And you know, how do we eliminate or um, remove that barrier to care? The best way to do that is to make sure that individuals have transportation to get to and from a doctor's appointment. So many in many instances. Uh, Medicare Advantage plans are offering transportation for you to get to and from your doctor at no cost to you. Now, there may be limitations on the number of trips available. It's a it's above and beyond what traditional Medicare offers. Now, for 2021, that is... Um, in some instances, that's starting to expand beyond just provider or doctor visits, right? Now there's potentially an option for you to go to the grocery store, to go to the pharmacy, to go to the gym, other things that you know may be important to you and, and your well-being. Um, so again, the, the, the details are important and evaluating the options are important. You mentioned gym memberships chiropractic visits um, above and beyond what traditional Medicare offers. If I'm not mistaken, meal services are even becoming common. 
And meal services are. I mean, they're they're often used in situations where somebody may be discharged home from a hospital or or long term care, short term rehab setting. Again, to make sure that an individual has you know healthy meals available in in the freezer. You know, dental is a, is a real big one. Preventative dental is is um, I think a fairly uh, consistent staple at this point. But now we're looking at comprehensive dental. So is there an option for dentures or uh, restorative type services? Those are generally very expensive procedures and, and Advantage plans are offering them now. Over-the-counter benefits, right? So there are things um, you, know, you could you could enroll in a plan. They may send you what's called an OTC catalog. So an over-the-counter catalog. And within that catalog, there are all kinds of products you may need or want in your household bandages, lotions, ointments, you know, you name it, there's, there's different products out there. And what the insurance company will do is they will give you an allowance. They will say, okay, this quarter you have $300 available to you to spend in the OTC store. Um, and so you can go online, you can make those purchases and they'll come direct to your door. Um, so yeah, the, the, the supplemental benefits are, um, in a lot of ways, what become the differentiator when you're comparing apples to apples. And it takes us right back to that financial comparison, right, of there is a due diligence to be done. It can seem overwhelming. It's worth it. Uh, dare I say, maybe you can tell in our voice, we're just getting warmed up here as far as this world of Medicare. But I think I will stop us here, at least as far as introduction to Medicare. Something else that just came to mind is for those of us that have an HSA, FYI, when you get to Medicare age, you're actually able to use your HSA as part of your Medicare premium uh, payments. So that's a whole topic that we could get on. Maybe we will save for it next time. So uh, Rick, I appreciate all of the information. Do you think there's anything vital that we missed for that initial introduction to Medicare? I would just remind everyone, October 15th through December 7th, this is the time to, to do your homework, make your selections if you're going to make a change. If it doesn't work this year, don't panic. You've got another opportunity next year to reevaluate and, and make a new make a new selection. Good reminder. So it's not the complete end of the world. You're only dealing with it for a year (laughs) if you don't like the plan that you have for that point. Well, again, Rick, thanks so much for joining me. Again, Medicare.gov is probably the place for people to start if you're really feeling overwhelmed for more additional information. And we'll catch up with you later. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit SuburbanFolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. The information in this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. The information is the opinions of the participants of this podcast and is not intended to be advice for any individual. Seek out the appropriate resources for your situation in order to understand the benefits that are right for you.